trying to figure out how to make my iPad not go to sleep after like a minute or two, and I can't figure it out, so we'll just try to put you to sleep, <laughs> or try not to, I mean. So, turn your Bibles, please, to Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 8, and I'm hoping that nobody is offended if I untuck up here, because it is hot, hot. Don't do it with this on your belt. didn't wreck it. Okay. <sighs> All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can be more than conquerors in Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Pray this morning as we look into your word that it would be uh, words that are meaningful to us, that they would speak to us because it is your word, and that we would be changed and challenged and become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for anybody who may be here this morning and doesn't know you, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts through the Holy Spirit and draw them to Jesus Christ, the only Savior. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you could uh, turn to uh, Daniel chapter 8. And it's a little hard. We're going through a series on Daniel. We've been going through it for a while. And when when you're on to speak, like, every four weeks or so, and then you get smacked with a Father's Day in the middle of it all. Uh, it kind of spreads out things. So I'm going to, I'm not big on going back and reviewing things from the past. I'd like to try to make what we have to say today relevant to today. So uh, I won't go back and review where we are up to now, but we all know Daniel. If, if you don't know anything about Daniel, he's the guy who was in the lion's den, and now he's writing some prophecies, okay? So that's, that's kind of where we are at this point. Uh, in Daniel chapter 8, verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, or appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me in the, fir- the first time. I saw in the vision, and it so happened, that I was, look- uh, I was looking, that I was in Shushan, the citadel, uh, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision that I was by the river, Ulai, Then I lifted up my eyes, and I saw there standing beside the river a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. And I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any uh, that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will, and became great." And I was considering, and suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground, and the goat had notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran uh, ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram, 
Uh, and he moved with rage against him and attacked the ram and broke his two horns, and there was no power in the ram to withstand him. But he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore the male, gro- male goat grew very great, but he, when he became strong, the large, large horn was broken, and in place of it four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven." Verse uh, 20, and the ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. Interesting. A couple weeks ago, John McKim was here and he said, Open your Bible, get on your knees, and get a message. So you read about the ram and the goats and stuff and think, okay, I think I might need a commentary here. So, but, but, the, but the interesting thing, and this is, this is what's awesome about prophecy and Scripture, often it tells you what you're reading. People say, oh, I can't read Daniel, I can't read Revelation because it's too hard. I don't know what I'm reading. Well, you read this about the goat and you read this about the, about the ram and you're thinking, okay, I have no idea what this is all about. But if you keep reading, and keep reading, and keep reading, get down to verse 20 and 21. It says, And the ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. Now Daniel wrote this before these kingdoms were even in power. He wrote these. This is prophecy. And then he names them, and, and, it, and, it, and it's true. This is, it, it's fulfilled. Nick and I were saying just before... It would be great to go back and find out what the oldest manuscripts are and just look at it and see what is written there in Hebrew or Aramaic on this chapter. Um, anyway, that, that's, that's just a kind of a, an aside here. I wish somebody, does anybody know how to keep an iPad on for a longer period of time than two minutes? Mary, here you go. I got a job for you. You just turn that on for more than two minutes. Thanks. Otherwise, I'm semi-noteless. All right. True greatness. Our recently fired company president lasted two and a half years, which is about normal in these days in the corporate world. Uh, He was uh, totally consumed and totally determined that he is going to get our company on the path to greatness. We're going to greatness. Greatness, greatness, greatness. It's great to show me how to turn that off after. Thanks. That's all we heard about. Greatness this, greatness that. How we can be great. We will be great. The company will be great. You'll be great. Blah, 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 blah. And I remember being in a meeting one time and somebody says, excuse me, uh, Mr. President, when will we know that we've gotten there? Well, you know, anybody know what the term crickets means? <laughs> it was silence in the room. And it was like, move to the next subject. Because how will you know you're going to get there? Well, see, the thing is, as a believer, I know when I'll get there. It's when I'm conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Then I'll say, hey, got it, I'm there. And then, but that's going to take eternity, and it'll be for all eternity like that. But in this world, to say, I'm going to get on the path, and I'm going to go to greatness, and that, that's, where, that's where I'm headed. So, they tell me at the back this works. And I'm like my father-in-law. I like old things better. Hey guys. 
Can we go to the old one? Or can you guys advance to the next slide would be helpful. Wait a minute, which way am I going here? Like seriously, how does this work? I'm going to just say next. Is that down? And that, and that's up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Good. Thanks. I don't know why they put the lettering upside down then. If that's up, why is the lettering pointed down? <sighs> Let me say, Matt probably picked this up on Amazon. <laughs> <coughs> Okay, so how do we define greatness? Greatness out there everywhere. You see it in ad advertising. Nike loves greatness. I mean, you know, you just do Google, Nike, greatness. And like a million ads show up. Intel, Sony, PlayStation, greatness. That's sitting in your basement in, in this hot weather, playing on your PlayStation forever. That's greatness. Uh, Juan Valdez now is greatness in brewing. Um, so it, it, greatness is out there everywhere. And then... That bottom one is true greatness. That's where we were headed as a company. Remember Trump, going to make America great again back in 2016, and he sure is doing a, making a great joke of it. So how do you get there? What is a great person? So in this world, guys, I want the old one back. It, the world would say, our society would say, a person with great power, a person with power is great. They control people, they control events. That's a great person. A person with prestige, they have accomplishments, they get lots of accolades. That's a great person. Or a person in position, they have status in this culture. They have a status in society, they're the president of a school. They have a great job. That's what the world would tell you. Or perhaps it's a person with great possessions. I mean, I just selected a few pictures here at the bottom. I mean, there's only one that really has a name attached to them. But this past week or so, the, the CEO founder of Amazon just became the richest man of all time in our times. Solomon probably had way more wealth than him. But, but the richest man of all time now. So, of course, he's going to have, like, there's going to be book deals. It'll only be available on Kindle. And all of this stuff. So it's... it's you know, this is what the world is saying is greatness. Is that greatness? By having a lot of power, by having prestige, by having position, by having possessions. You see, if we sit back and we listen to what the world is saying, we're going to buy into this. We're going to think that this is what will make you great. That's the big lie. It really is. You see, what we need to be concerned about is something else. The dictionary says that greatness, uh, yeah, that's the Webster one. It says, the property possessed by something or someone of outstanding importance. Hmm. Secondly, unusual largeness or size to do or extent. Well, I guess I'm greater than some of you. But <laughs> the, the other thing is, it says, in a, in a different dictionary I looked up, it says, it says the great to be great is something that is considerably above average or remarkable. Now the problem with that is that that says that something is not above average, but not remarkable. You're inferior. 
Go to the doctor and say, I have an inferiority complex. Really? Yeah, you are. You're inferior because there's somebody greater. So that's, that's the, dictionary from the dictionary definition. Now, there are, I, I did a little Google search. How many people are called the great? Catherine the Great, Ivan the Great, you know, and there was also Ivan the Terrible, I think it was too, and Napoleon the Great, Herod the Great. 150 people take the title the Great. I dropped it after I read that and realized that there's just too many of them. 150 people have used the, the title the Great in their name. But it infers that they're greater than somebody else. They're greater than everybody else. But you see, what is, a great, what is a great person as God would define greatness? As Christians, that's what we have to be concerned with. Does God really care about my money? Does God really care about my power? Does God really care about my prestige? Yes, he does. He cares about all of that stuff. He cares about how I use it. He cares about how I measure that up against his greatness. I do not have great wealth. God owns everything. I do not have great power. God made everything out of nothing. I do not have great prestige. He's God. I'm not. You see, when I measure up against God, he's concerned. Do I put my greatness, my power, prestige, and power, and all of those things, do I put that above him? Because if I do, I'm a fool. And I'm lying to myself. But God does look for greatness. And we're going to look at Daniel. And we're going to look at what it says. You see, we can live lives and be a great person in God's estimation. I really believe we can. I'm not here to tell you, look, you're always going to be inferior. You're always going to be inferior. Don't, don't strive for it. You can strive for greatness in God. You can strive for greatness as a person walking before God. You see, we can go through our life and say, I'm just going to be matter. I'm going to have mass and occupy space. Remember that? That was the definition, wasn't it? Yeah. Matter is anything that has mass and occupies space. Some of us are more matter than other people are. But that's what we can do. And be useless and so on. Or we can do great things for God. We can allow God to do great things with us. Daniel, the prophet, I'm going to say, could use the title Daniel the Great. Because he did great things for God. He did great things before God as he lived out before God. So there are three people we're going to look at in this chapter. That was my introduction. Um, there are four kingdoms we looked at in Daniel chapter 7. There was, anybody remember them? Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Today we're going to look at two of them, okay? We'll look at Medo-Persia and Greece. Now, Daniel the prophet. Hmm. Daniel the prophet. No. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Three described as great. Daniel the prophet, Cyrus the great, and Alexander the great. And then I'm also going to say that there is a verse that I, I love that there is one who is greater than all of them. And it says that he was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of Holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the one that is truly great. He is the one that truly deserves the title of great. Now, Daniel the prophet, 
I mean, apart from us in the church who love Daniel the prophet and love to, to read the stories of Daniel and, and the book of Daniel, he's not going to make Time Magazine's 100th most influential persons list. He's just not. Um, I mean, really, he's, he's a Jewish captive. He was a teenager. He was taken into captivity. Uh, that's pretty shameful because your people are conquered and captured and, and you're led away, kind of usually into slavery. Um, in fact, by the time we get to Daniel chapter 5 and Nebuchadnezzar is not around and King Belshazzar is, is having this big wild party and writing comes on the wall. Anybody know about the writing on the wall in Daniel? Everybody nod if you, if you remember that. Okay, a few people remember it. Three people. And the king said, I'm going to bring in my, my wisest men. I'm going to bring in the smartest guys in the kingdom. Who didn't he bring in? Daniel. Uh, what am I going to do? I'm going to bring in like that Jewish captive guy? No, forget it. But Daniel was the one who actually knew the interpretation. So Daniel, just to give you an idea, in the world he was not thought of as, as, as anything great. Yet, God considered him great. Why do I say that? Because God gave him visions. God gave him this ability to interpret dreams. You know what Jesus says about people who think they're great? He says, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 16, verse 15. What is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You see, if I have a lot of money, if I have a lot of power and prestige and position, and I say, I am great, I am great, and I blow and blow myself up over that. I mean, puff myself up. You see, in God's estimation, I'm just an abomination when it comes to that. I'm just blowing my own horn, and he's laughing. He's looking, saying, great, you think you're great. I've got all of that. I own all of that. And see, Daniel was one of the, he got it right from the start. I'm not great. I'm just God's humble servant. John the Baptist, Jesus said about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 7, verse 28, and Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, he said, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Well, a lot of churches have been named after John the Baptist, and a lot of shrines and places have been named after John the Baptist. Does that make him great? No. What did John the Baptist do? He ate bugs, lived in the desert, walked around telling everybody he saw to repent, then lost his head to a wicked king. And Jesus said, among men, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Hmm, that picture of greatness is a lot different from the one I showed you way back as to what people think is greatness. A guy with a Learjet, a guy with a fancy car, and a guy with a woman. John had none of those. Yet he's called and declared by the God of heaven as the greatest of men. So God's estimation of greatness is a lot different from ours. So what made Daniel great? Three things. That's the wrong way. Number one, humility. We read that in chapter 8, verse 1. If you want to go back and look at that verse again. It's interesting. Because you can read verses a million times over and not get this. But it says, in verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel. Is that what it says in your Bible? Yeah, see, that's what I thought. What does it really say? It says, to me, to me, Daniel. Now, if I were to come up here and say, 
a vision from God came to me, to me, David. You're going to say, whoa, really, you? So Daniel is saying, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision came to me, <laughs> to me, Daniel. Like, it, it, the tone of it all, like you go back and look into the grammar, it's almost like I'm surprised, I can't believe it, God spoke actually to me. You got a lot of people that go out there and say, God said this to me, God said that to me, God spoke this, God spoke that. Yeah, really. But usually if God does speak directly to somebody, they're humble about it. And here's Daniel being very humble about it. Daniel saying, God spoke to me in this vision. To me, Daniel. Can you believe that? Daniel is, is, is taken by surprise that God would even speak to him. When, God's, uh, when King Saul, or actually, let's go back even before that, Moses at the burning bush, he was just absolutely amazed that God would even speak to him, that he would use him. He goes, why are you talking to me? I, I st st stutter. I can't go and be your spokesperson to the people of Israel. He was shocked. King Saul, who unfortunately became really boastful and prideful, but when he was first anointed as king, he says, am I not a, Benjam a Benjamite? of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family, the least of the families of the tribes of Benjamin? Like, God, why are you picking me? I'm nothing. King David, who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Paul the Apostle always looked back on his life and he thought of all the times that he persecuted Christians, all the stuff that he put them through, all the, all the, all the killing, all of the, the stonings that he oversaw. And what does he say? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? He called himself the chief of sinners. We might sit here and say, if I, if I did a poll, tell me, who's the greatest Christian that, you, that probably has ever lived? Paul, 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 Paul. What does he call himself? The chief of sinners. Humility is what made Daniel great. Humility is what will make a person great before God. The second thing Singularity. Singularity. You see, Daniel always pointed to God, no matter where he stood. No matter what king dragged him in in the middle of the night and said, Daniel, I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah, well, I'm pointing to God. Most high God. Most high God. He did it every time. He was single-hearted. He always exalted God before three kings, before Nebuchadnezzar, before Belshazzar, and before Cyrus the Mede. And right from his youth, he did the same thing. The third thing that made him great is his consistency. It started when he was a youth, when he was a young man. It says that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And then by the time he's 80 years old and thrown into a lion's den, why? Because it was his custom since his early days, it says in chapter 6. And an excellent spirit was in him. He was consistent. He was always consistent. Always doing the same faithfully serving God. Now we get to the next slide, maybe. Nope. Okay, guys, I just like pushed one up and then one down, and it's going in like, the, there we go, okay. The Livingstone brothers. Who's heard of David Livingstone? Hands up. I mean, seriously, put your hands up, because I, I'm, it's looking like nobody's heard of him. Okay. Nobody at the back ever heard of David Livingstone? Good, thank you. Hank, have you heard of David Livingstone? Hank has heard, thanks. 
Okay, I'm gonna start calling you all by name. Okay, I'm gonna ask a question one more time. Who has heard of David Livingstone? Hands up. If you got a hand, stick it up. All right, good. Okay. David Livingstone had a brother. Who's heard of John Livingstone? Just as I thought. Nobody. There are two brothers. And after their Sunday school class, and I don't know whether they were teaching it or, or attending it, they were in Scotland, this is where they grew up, and they were discussing what they wanted to do with their lives. The first brother, John, said, I want to be rich and famous, and I'm going to be great. The second brother said, well, my goal is to follow Christ to the fullest. You know, the second brother you all heard of, or many of you heard of, I shouldn't say all, but many of you heard of, famous, David Livingstone missionary, medical doctor, and explorer of the continent of Africa. I think he's buried in Westminster Abbey. I think one of those great churches in, in England. His brother actually got his dream. He became rich. Became fairly well known. But it wasn't due to his wealth. He was famous for one other thing. He was the brother of David Livingstone. He wasn't actually known for his wealth. In fact, he died. I found out he died in Canada. He got wealthy in Canada. He owned property and blah, 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 blah. And then he died here and he's buried somewhere. And at his own request, this is his own request, on his headstone he had these words written, here lies John Livingstone, the brother of David Livingstone. Who was great? The one who served Christ. The one who gave it all the one who went to Africa, the one who explored, the one who, who went to the, to the people who needed to hear the gospel. David Livingstone, above average, above normal. He was a great man. Why? Because he had a humble spirit and he was faithful. That, to God, is greatness. Riches mean nothing. Summary. Uh, summary, a great person, first of all, the great person bows before the Lord God. The great person points toward God. He is faithful to God. He has personal humility. He has spiritual singularity. His life is driven and focused on God. He has an ethical consistency. So what do you want for yourself? Do you want to be king of a mountain for a day? Or do you want to be a child of God for eternity? That's really what it comes down to. I'd rather be a child of God for eternity. That's greatness. That would be much greater than ruling my own castle for a few days. Parents, what do you want for your children? How do you define greatness? Is it in sports, hockey, soccer, football, baseball? What is it? I had time to spend with a client the other day and his brother, great baseball player, drafted by the San Francisco Giants. I said, wow, that's great. He said, well, not really, you didn't get to play. What do you mean? <laughs> he said, well, there's a million others that were drafted too, but he just wasn't good enough. I said, oh, well, not so great, but still a great baseball player. He said, yeah, but greater if he made it in. I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's so fleeting. He said, my dad brought us up to play in Major League Baseball. That's what he did, he brought us up all of our lives. And he said, one game, one pitch, I blew up my arm and I knew I'd never play Major League Baseball. And my whole life was on, on that moment. And it was done. Do we want to do that? 
Or do we want to be a child of God for eternity and serve the God of heaven? Which, which would you prefer? Parents, like, do we measure our kids' greatness by report cards, by the sports they're in, by those accomplishments? You know, Daniel was humble. Daniel was the guy who, I don't know, this, was, this was me. When I was a kid, I was writing out some stuff in a book last night, and, and I remember it said, you know, did you play baseball and stuff? And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I did. But you know what? I was the guy that when they did that on the bat and they got to pick first, I'm the guy who at the end of it goes, okay, I got to take him. I guess he's the last one left. And I'm on the team. And I was Daniel, last guy on the team, just got picked. But you know what? If you have a kid that doesn't make the team and he's a humble attitude about it, you got a great kid. That's where the greatness is. It's in the humility. It's in the consistency. It's in the singularity. Now, I've got to really move along here, and I won't be very long with these guys. Matt, I'm going to cancel your Prime subscription. <laughs> okay. Cyrus the Great. I read this at the start, but it's worth reading again. It says, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, if I stand there, you can't read, can't see through me, can you? You okay? All right. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, me, or to me, to me, Daniel, after the one appeared to me the first time. I saw the vision that happened while I was looking in Sushi. Okay, so verse three. I lifted up my eyes and saw there standing beside the river a ram that had two horns, and two, uh, two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. And I saw a ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. Interesting. Verse 4 says, and he became great. So what made him great? First of all, his kingdom grew. It grew like crazy. It grew exactly. The, the, the Medo-Persian kingdom grew exactly the way he says here. Exactly. Uh, first of all, he can't, went westward to... Uh, um, to Babylon, to Mesopotamia, to Syria, Asia Minor, and Macedonia. Interesting. The Bible says that's the way it's going to go. And then it's going to march nor northward. This is before the kingdom. This is before it all happened. To Colchis, modern-day Georgia, Armenia, Iberia, lands around the Caspian Sea. And then he conquered south. Levant, Egypt, Libya, and Ethiopia. This is what Daniel saw in the vision. How could he know that? He didn't, and he couldn't. It was a direct revelation from the Spirit of God. God spoke directly to Daniel and told him this. Cyrus was great. But here's the problem with being great in this world. There's always somebody greater right around the corner to come to take your spot. And that happened. So Cyrus, as much as he was great, and as much as he thought of himself as great, and, and probably his followers thought he was great, there was somebody who was going to be greater. You know, King Solomon said of greatness in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 12 to 18, he says, I attained greatness, and he describes all the greatness he attained, and then he says, but this was vanity. I attained all of this stuff, all of this wealth, all of these things, but it was empty in the end. It was worth nothing. Greatness doesn't last in this world. It's short-lived. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Those are sobering words. You might be working really, really hard in this life. You might be trying really, really hard to attain and get to a point or to get some money or to get whatever you want to rise up in your job. Do not exchange your soul for that. Jesus says, the next verse, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If you are exchanging anything for your soul, it's a foolish thing to do. 
What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? Next, we have Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, it says, suddenly a male goat came from the west and across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. The goat had a notable horn between his eyes, and then he came to the ram with two horns, which I had seen standing by the river, and ran into him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram and moved with rage against him and attacked the ram and broke the two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore, the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken, and in its place four notable ones came up uh, toward the four winds of heaven. Okay, so Alexander the Great considered himself, and also considered by his mummy, to be very great. Here's the story on Alexander. Alexander's dad was Philip II of Macedon, and he really didn't think Alexander was all that great. Dad was a warrior. Alexander liked to play Nintendo. Actually, what he really liked to do was read books all the time. He was a scholar. He was a student. So he said, I'm going to get him, a, I'm gonna get him a, a, a tutor. And he gets a man named Aristotle. Everybody's heard of Aristotle probably, or most of us have. Aristotle comes in and, and tutors him. Philip then dies when Alexander's 19 years old. So Alexander says, okay, whoa, I'm going to take over now. I'm going to take over this kingdom. Little did people know that he was going to be so savage and so swift and so brutal. It says that it was a goat that was running across and his feet weren't even touching the ground. That's how fast he moved. He moved with that kind of swiftness. In fact, the story is told he went to uh, the city of Tyre, or Tyre, whichever way you pronounce it, and he went in to the city and he said, okay, we're on our way through. We're moving on through. Do us a favor. Can you... Can we go to your Walmart and get some supplies? And the people in the city of Tyre said, uh, no, no, we're not going to do that. So you know what he did? He killed every single person in the town. Every single person in that city, Alexander the Great, butchered and killed. That's how ruthless he was. And he's called the Great. His mother said, you're so great that we think you're God. And he believed that. And so here he goes. And at 33 years old, it, well, in, in 12, 13 years, he conquered the whole world, first of all. And then at 33, he broke down and wept because there's nothing else to conquer. Oh. He probably thought the earth was flat. If he didn't, he could have come over here and maybe taken a few things on. But anyway, he, he figured at that point in time, I'm done. I've conquered everything. I'm 33 years old. Oh, man. Alexander the Great. Here's what happened. Oh, drinking with the boys after he conquered everything. I'm going to drown my sorrows. He picked up a virus. How big's a virus? Mm. And he died. Almost overnight. Big, mighty Alexander the Great wiped out by a virus. A virus that's so small, it's microscopic. It's smaller than a bacteria. It's tiny. Yet it came along and killed him. And then what happened? Well, it says here that, hmm, there was one big horn, the horn was broken off, and then the kingdom was given to four little horns. What do we do, Alexander? What do we do with your kingdom? They gave it to his four generals. Huh, Daniel prophesied that long before there was an Alexander the Great, long before there was four kingdoms passed out to, or rather the, the kingdom divided up into four. All right, thank you for bearing with me through the history class. 
So what? So what? Good question to ask, right? You've sat through, well, that clock's fast, so it's only like coming up on 12. <laughs> so what? Long history lesson, and it's a hot day. Hotter up here than down there, actually. The first point is the Bible is reliable. I've been saying this all along. This is prophecy. Daniel predicted these things, even naming the kingdoms before they existed. And history shows it was totally fulfilled exactly the way he said it would be done. Exactly. One kingdom into four. Two horns, one bigger than the other. Medo-Persia. Persians bigger than the Medes. The second thing, I don't care what you are, but kings don't impress God. Politicians don't impress God. Celebrities don't impress God. I don't impress God. You know, God never says, well. He never looks at somebody and says, well, well. Nothing would make God say, well. He's God. He is great. Compared to him, I'm not. But there are those who strive for greatness in this life, and they're fools. And I want you to turn with me, please, to... to um, Luke chapter 12. Luke, Luke chapter 12. Just a short reading there. I think many of you know this. My wife reads this to me every time I say I'm going to tear down the old shed and build a new one. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It says, Then one from the crowd said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said, Man, who made me? a judge or an arbiter over you. Is take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I will build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have had many goods, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now I want you to notice this, and anytime you see the words but God, underline that in your Bible. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things which you have then then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, I can be rich towards myself. I can put my whole life into myself and try to be great, whether it's possessions or power or prestige or whatever it might be. The rich fool, I want you to notice, he was rich, but do you know what he's known as? The rich fool. Not the rich man, not the rich farmer, the rich fool. His whole life was bound up into himself. He lived for the here and now. You see, if you're trying in any other way to please God, other than coming to the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you on the cross and took all of your sin, you will never get there. You will never please God. You will never do anything to warrant heaven. It's only when you humble yourself and say, I am not great, God, you are. And you provided a way for me to go to heaven. You sent the Lord... To Jesus Christ, to take my sins. That's the person that God looks to. 
If we look to ourselves, we will be fools. So what does impress God? Serving others does. If you want to be great, and I think I have a slide on this. Mm -hmm. Even my new slide didn't go in there. Okay. If you want to be great, get low, get humble, get down. Husbands, serve your wives. Love your wives. Be humble. Wives, serve your husbands and be humble. Notice I put the husbands first. Men, be humble. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then it's easy for your wives to serve you and to serve God in serving you. Parents, serve your kids. Dad and mom, I'll tell you what. If you've got this and you're serving one another and you're serving Jesus Christ, your kids will get it. It's easy for your kids to serve you if you are, as parents, serving Christ. Christians, Northbrook, church, all of us, serve one another. You know, somebody texted me this week and, and told me some news and said, don't worry, I'm on it, been there, looked after this. I got another text this week from somebody else, just so you know, blah, blah, blah was able to do this. Met needs for, for other believers that were great. Difficult times. Serving one another. That's great. That is great in the estimation of God. I'm going to close with a poem. Take water before I do this. Written by my favorite, favorite author, Anonymous. <coughs> Jesus and Alexander died at 33. Isn't that interesting? They were both 33 years old when they died. Jesus, the carpenter's son, Alexander the Great. Jesus and Alexander died at 33. One lived and died for self. One died for you and me. The Greek died on a throne. The Jew died on a cross. One's life a triumph seemed. The other but a loss. One led vast armies forth. The other walked alone. One shed a whole world's blood. The other gave his own. Jesus and Alexander died at 33. One died in Babylon, one on Calvary. One gained all for self, and one himself he gave. One conquered every tongue, the other every grave. The one made himself a god, the other made himself less. One lived but to blast, the other but to bless. Jesus and Alexander died at 33. The Greek made all men slaves. The Jew made all men free. Father, we thank you this morning that we can know you. We thank you, Father, that you make it clear to us that Greatness is found in humility. It's found in serving. It's found in loving the Most High God. It's very, very clear to us, Lord, from your word. Our possessions do not make us great. Our position does not make us great. Our power does not make us great. Our prestige does not make us great. Our Savior can make us great as we let him live and work through us. I thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross to take our sins, that we may boldly come before you 
before your throne, asking, and you give. Father, I thank you for this great example of Daniel. And I thank you for the examples that you've given of Alexander the Great and, and Cyrus the Great, great in their own estimation and in their own minds. But Daniel, one who is truly great before God. Help us, Lord, to serve you. Help us in these difficult days to be heavenly minded and to look to the most high God. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, guys, do you